0: Good morning to all. I would like to thank the opportunity to be here with you, sharing some data or some recommendations of specialists regarding endotracheal suctioning in 2013. What do you really know? I tried to stop in 2013. You have more, some, four or four, uh, three or four articles in, uh, go ahead of it. I have no conflicts to disclosure. What we do really know, we really know that air management is a crucial element in providing life support to critically ill children, as Professor Curley and Maloney, Patricia Maloney Harmo has been teaching nurses from around the globe with their book. We, all, we really know that advanced airway management includes the placement, often in the tracheal tube, to enable mechanical ventilation. And to, uh, the endotracheal tube eliminates the normal protection against aspiration so that secretions from the oropharynx can be aspirated. And maintaining the endotracheal tube patency is critical for children and neonates receiving mechanical ventilation. So, endotracheal suctioning has the primary purpose of remove secretions, prevent airway obstructions, prevent atelectasias, optimizing oxygenation and ventilation, and decreasing the work of breathing. The endotracheal suctioning is performed mainly by nursing and physiotherapists staff, and nursing and physiotherapists staff has a, a wide variation across the globe, according to the practice scope and the education level. So what do you really know that the adequate humidity uh, is very important when we are talking about patency of the endotracheal tube, maintain it at 100%, gas warm it to 32 to 34 uh, Celsius degrees, keeps the secretions loose, lubricates the endotracheal tube, and protects the surrounding trachea tissue from the detration. So the endotracheal suction is, is the one of the most common procedure performed in pediatric intensive care units. For Andrew Argent, the ideal endotracheal suction would be pain-free. Discomfort-free, safe with no adverse events like loss of lung volume, desaturation, uh, alterations uh, cardiovascular or in the central nervous system without damage to respiratory system or infections. And effective, removing secretions and preventing the obstruction of the endotracheal tube. But Evans and colleagues from, and colleagues from Australia have been demonstrating that endotracheal suctioning has a specific significance and risk uh, in pediatric neonatal patients. The smaller diameter of the endotracheal tube increases the risk of blockage, and many serious complications and risks, including hypoxemia, atelectasia, constrictions or spasms, cardiovascular instability, infections, pain, and elevated intracranial pressures, can be. Uh, it identified. In this research conducted by Dr. Professor Mero and colleagues in, uh, in South Africa, we, as you can see, the dynamic compliance and the mechanical inspirited tidal volume decreased uh, during suctioning. And uh, we have uh, studied published in Portuguese and accomplished in my university in 13 children, demonstrated the same effects in the tracheal suctioning uh, Uh, decreasing uh, the uh, oxygenation and decreasing the lung compliance. So what do you really know? We really know that we must prepare the patient because this is an uncomfortable procedure described by adults and for uh, older children. So uh, as endotracheal suction is frequently performed and causes pain and discomfort, At the procedure is often performed and all ventilated children must receive analgesia previous to the procedure. So to reduce harm and increase the quality of the endotracheal suctioning, some questions uh, arise about what do we really know, about how often the frequency of uh, endotracheal suctioning, the use of preoxygenation, four-handed procedure, use of closed or open systems, deep or shallow uh, suctioning, or in installation of saline solutions. So I will try to uh, describe and share some ideas about these questions. How often? For the American Association of Respiratory Care, endotracheal suctioning should not be performed as a routine intervention, but rather as clinically indicated. In this, Comprehensive review of the literature published in the pediatric Kut- Critical Care Medicine by Professor Merrill and Professor Andrew Argent. There are no randomized controlled trials regarding this subject, but observational studies of clinical practice have suggested that the, the identification of the need uh, for endotracheal suctioning is a complex issue involving changes in both clinical sites and patient behavior. These colleagues from Australia tried to understand what led uh, the nurses' decisions to suctioning the patients, so they uh, surveyed nurses from the Australian and New Zealand Association of Critical Care Nurses, and they identified that the main clinical uh, crit- criteria in determining whether to perform endotracheal suction for these nurses were the suspected of obstruction of the endotracheal tube, the. Visible or audible secretions, decreased oxygenation, saturation, and cyanosis, and suspected aspirations was the main uh, clinical signs that lead a nurse to do endotracheal suctioning. These colleagues with this data tried to develop a tool, endotracheal suctioning assessment tool, considering clinical criteria, assess the respiratory status and also the ventilator status. This was not validated. I cannot find the validation. They said that will, they will clinically validate it, but this is a very good tool that can help junior nurses uh, to decide when to do suctioning. Uh, the frequency is very important when we are talking about specific patients like for example in traumatic brain injury uh, patients in this literature review conducted by professor Thun and Anna Jenkins from UK they analyzed that all studies demonstrated that endotracheal suctioning produces a statistically significant elevation in intracranial pressure they identified in two studies uh, concluded that cough during endotracheal suctioning increase the intracranial cerebral pressure and avoidance of deep uh, in suctioning can be important in these patients. Most studies reported both reductions or increases in cerebral perfusion pressure, so uh, we do not have conclusions about it because of other clinical variables. Respiratory physiotherapists and mainly endotracheal suctioning is significantly rise intracranial pressure. Hyper, hyperventilation previously lead to endotracheal suctioning and intracranial pressure. There has different results uh, in different studies. And any significant findings when we are talking about nursing care and control of manipulation with these patients. There is some evidence that certain drugs can minimize intracranial pressure uh, risings during uh, endotracheal suctioning. So, what is clear for this author is that evidence overall remains inconclusive in this field as there are contradictory results in many studies. Regarding pre-oxygenation, the Cochrane database tried to do a meta-analysis about this subject, but they were able only to include one study for uh, for 1987, and so this review does not provide sufficient data, despite the fact that this study randomized trial crossover with neonates demonstrated that an increase in 10% of oxygenation previously to uh, endotracheal suctioning has a positive effect. For the American Association of Respiratory Care, in preparation uh, for the suctioning event, delivery of 100% of oxygen in pediatric and adult patients and a 10% increase of baseline in neonates for 30 or 60 seconds prior to suctioning can be a good option. For uh, Brandon Morrow and Andrew Argent, there is only one randomized trial uh, about the subject in in pediatric patients, and so the falling in saturation and oxygenation occurring as a result of suctioning was completely prevented by delivering 100% inspired O2 for one minute before the procedure. Considering the short-term effects of hyperoxygenation in reducing hypoxia, patients should receive increased inspired oxygen oxygen levels for brief periods of 60 seconds before suctioning. The optimal level of pre-oxygenation is not unknown and the clinical context should be taken into consideration. So this is a recommendation based in just one trial. The four hand procedures is something that we use very much in clinical practice in unstable patients when we are using uh, mainly open, uh, open system to do uh, endotracheal suctioning. There was a very nice research conducted in U.S., perf- Professor Mary Jo grepp uh, analyzing in neonates the use of this technique. So uh, the objective of this clinical trial was to compare the effect of four-handed care on preterm infants uh, a physiologic response like oxygenation, heart rate and stress, and behavioral response, like state stress, defense behaviors, and self-regulatory behaviors, versus routine endotracheal suctioning performed by a sole caregiver. This is a crossover study with 10 infants less than 37 weeks gestation at birth, less than one week uh, old, intubated, on conventional ventilation, and receiving in-line suctioning where recruited uh, uh, with parental informed consent. What they found was that the use of forehand procedures has no effect in heart rate, but has a significant effect in oxygenation saturation. Although also stress response, they, they measured cortisol. The salivary cortisol was measured and did not differ between groups. But stress and defense behavior has a significant had significant effects. More stress and defense behaviors were seen during routine care than forehanded care in the post-suctioning period. So it's a very nice research, and I think that in, in pediatric critical care, it can be an important uh, thing to analyze. Regarding the use of uh, closed and open system, we have a lot of research conducted in this practice. In uh, countries like Brazil, when they have low resources, it, we usually use open systems. It's very difficult to use closed because it's... Uh, for us, it's more cost, so we have to analyze which patients uh, can, be, uh, can use this kind of, of support. So regarding it to the American Association of Respiratory Care, the closed suctioning technique facilitates continuous mechanical ventilation and oxygenation during, during uh, endotracheal suctioning and protect the caregiver for, from the secretions and occupational hazards also. Uh, in this review of literature uh, in pediatric patients, although there may be short-term benefits of closed system in terms of reduced volume loss and hypoxia, there is no clear benefit for Professor Morrow and for Professor Argent. This study conducted by Beth Copnell, that have been studying for a long time this, this issue, they identified that Close endotracheal uh, suctioning interferes with eventually function functioning volume target model with substantially negative intratracheal pressure during suctioning and the potential of high airway pressure and tidal volumes following up after the procedure. These effects should be considered and p- the pressure limits set appropriately whenever used to volume controlled ventilation. So this is an open uh, problem. <laughs> We conducted uh, with uh, a student, a Master in Nursing student, uh, crossover uh, randomized controlled trial on endotracheal suctioning with open and closed system analyzing pain and clinical parameters in newborns. This uh, study, we compare respiratory rate, blood pressure, oxygenation, heart rate, and pain using the premature infant pain profile uh, scale. Were analyzed immediately before the procedure, during the procedure, immediately, uh, immediately after, 10 minutes after and 30 minutes after. And uh, in this trial, we were not able to find any significant difference uh, between groups, w- despite the fact, the fact that newborns have less pain or, and less changes in respiratory rate, this alterations and this sample, this short sample of children cannot uh, demonstrate any difference between these two techniques. For these Australian colleagues, Evans and colleagues from, the, from Melbourne, they uh, analysed in an audit period uh, using closed and, and open systems in a PICU. In each month of the audit it was alternatively designed as an open or closed month. Both methods of endotracheal suctioning were practices in the unit, so everybody knows what to do, what's not a new technique. All patients with an endotracheal tube were included in the study. They studied 229 patients more than 6,000 in the tracheal suctioning episodes. They were able to identify that the use of closed system uh, increased the number of suctioning episodes. The use of closed system reduced the use of saline lavage between the the, in in the procedure and closed system, there's no uh, significant effects in adverse events occurrence. What they really found is that the use of closed system decreased the number of staff in a single staff or the overall staff and also that the use of the closed system reduced, decreased, reduced significantly the saturation decrease, uh, alterations in mean arterial pressure and alterations in heart rate. So, for these colleagues, it would be nice to use uh, closed systems because of staff-related improvements and some physiological alterations were prevented. Regarding deep and shallow tracheal suctioning, we have one randomized controlled trial conducted in neonates, so in pediatric patients we do not have uh, many evidence. This is the randomized controlled trial that Cochrane uh, tried to do uh, again, a systematic review, but only this, uh, this uh, study could be uh, analyzed, and there is no uh, evidence regarding it. Regarding installation of saline solutions, there are a lot of evidence that we must not do this, and I think that this is the non-evidence-based procedure most performed in pediatric intensive care unit around the globe. The more we have evidence, no recommendations to do this, we continue to use this practice around the world. We have a very good design, a randomized controlled trial in children, demonstrating that the installation of saline solutions, there's no benefit effects in improving the suctioning, and it has adverse events to the patients. To the American Association of Respiratory Care, this could not be used at a routine practice because we produce excessive caution, decrease oxygenation saturation, produce bronchospasmus, dislocement of bacterial film that colonize the endotracheal tube to lower airway uh, areas. We cause pain, anxiety, dyspnea, tachycardia, increase increased intracranial pressure, And unfortunately, as we can see in this study, that 2014 from Australia, we can see that in open system, 40% of the episodes of suctioning had saline solution installation. And when we use the open system, in closed system, 18%. So overall 30% of the suctioning episodes, the nurses use saline solution until now. So uh, we have to analyze it. Other considerations that we not have clear data regarding, for example, the catheter size we must use, there are no strong evidence, just recommendations that it should not exceed one half of the inner diameter of the tracheal tube. And Professor Morrow and colleagues in this article in the Intensive Care Medicine for 2004 provide us a, a, a table that can help to decide what, what type of catheter to use. According to suctioning negative pressure, is, it is also inconclusive. It cost, must be the lowest possible for some uh, moral and in experimental research, three, uh, 360 milligrams uh, of mercury for the American Association of Critical Care in units 80 to 100 and to pa- uh, pediatric patients, uh, 150 millimeters of mercury. According to the duration of the suctioning, it's also inconclusive. It must be the lowest possible. for the American Association of Respiratory Care: 15 seconds for marrow and argent, less than 10 seconds, and we must have in protocols of less than five seconds. So, what we do, we really know, we really know that there is a lack of strong evidence. Few mice controlled trials in children, most evidence is from newborns and adults, no systematic review with pediatric critical ill children, Even some important evidence we have, like, for for example, saline solution installations, we do not have important change in practice. So, endotracheal suctioning is one of the most common procedures performed in the PICU, with evidence lacking to support daily practice. Thank you very much. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide.